Hello, everybody. My name is Tim Kellen, and welcome to Kellen Capital Fourth Quarter 2023 Economic Update. It's been a very interesting year, let's put it uh, very mildly. We've had tremendous increase in interest rates, and yet the S&P 500 and U.S. equities continue to dominate, uh, mostly unexpectedly. We didn't expect to have such great returns out of the S&P 500 this year, but it's very uh, pleasant surprise with the S&P closing out the first three quarters of the year at about a 13% return, making it one of the best asset classes to be in this year to date. Whereas the bond market has continued to struggle as the Fed has increased interest rates fairly significantly. The bond index is trailing and down about 1.2%. And the worst performing asset class uh, this year, or one of the worst, I should say, is publicly traded real estate companies or REITs are struggling in this very difficult interest rate environment, negative 5.6% on the year. Uh, Small cap U.S. equities and international equities are are not doing as well either. They're in the low single digits for the uh, uh, first three quarters of the year. Stocks were doing quite a bit better, but uh, things kind of sold off in the last month or two as the economy is showing, showing to, starting to show uh, signs of weakness with the uh, Fed having rates as high as, it, as, as there is. But I'm going to talk a little bit about federal finances to start out this call and really the the overall deficit situation. So, so I'm going to start out by talking a little bit about the federal financial situation. The 2023 fiscal year budget ended just this year and just last month in September was the last uh, day of the fiscal year. And our estimates is are, are that the, the federal government borrowed about a trillion, $1.5 trillion uh, in order to fund spending of about $6.2 trillion. So about 25% borrowing relative to what they're taking in in terms of tax revenue. Now, that used to not matter so much when interest rates were at or you know below 2%. But as things have crept up this year, we're starting to see the interest expense spending increase dramatically. It wasn't about 3% of total spending. Now it's creeping its way up to 10% and likely go even higher from here. In fact, the forecast is towards the end of this decade that 50% of deficit spending will be just on servicing the debt interest payments. So it's starting to become a a situation that Congress could no longer avoid. The problem is, is we still are not seeing any uh, political will to talk about the two biggest uh, problems in deficit spending, which are uh, essentially entitlements. So you got Social Security and Medicare are the two biggest problems. And nobody on either side of the aisle is talking about that. They are talking about reducing or eliminating um, spending towards the Ukraine war, which in the first two years has represented about $70 billion in total spending for the Ukraine war. Sounds like a lot of money, but in the reality, it's not uh, relative to our total uh, spending as a country. So until they start to tackle the two biggest elephants in the room, uh, we, we will start to see things probably get a little bit worse. So our total debt to GDP is up around 100% of GDP, up up from around 30% of GDP in the early parts of the, of the 2000s. So what's happened since then? Well, we've had two major tax cuts. We've had two wars. We had a pandemic. We had a credit crisis. So spending has gone up and revenue uh, tax receipts have gone down. So this is something that can no longer be avoided over the next uh, 10 years. The economy is also doing surprisingly well. 
in light of the increase of um, interest rates, we are kind of trending along at about 2% GDP growth over the last you know 20 years or so. That's up from the, the prior averages of, of about 3% GDP growth um, back in the 1900s. But the, the problem is, is that uh, we're just a, an economy that's slowing in general. So the new trend line is right around two. 70% of GDP is consumer consumption. And we have, as I uh, said earlier, uh, done a little bit better in terms of consumer spending, in part because the consumer got a lot of money during the pandemic and was able to spend that. And also in part because the labor markets are continuing to do quite well, surprisingly well, with very, very low unemployment rate. Job gains have slowed down, but they're still significant. So just last month in August, 187,000 jobs were added. Now that's down significantly from from the early part of 2022. We're hitting months of of four or five or 600,000 jobs being added. So the trend line is definitely going down and we would anticipate uh, actually some jobs to start being lost into 2024, but that hasn't quite happened yet. In terms of the labor force in general, uh, legal immigration has picked up a little bit. About a million new workers came into the workforce, which is good for economic growth. Um, however, we had a lot of baby boomers are exiting the workforce and going into retirement as they are getting into the retirement years. So the, the share of, of, of the workforce being over the age of 55 has uh, dropped by about 3% from 40 down to about 37%. Uh, so a significant drop in the, in the over 55 labor um, market, but the younger workforce has been growing over that same time frame. Now, transitioning over to corporate earnings. Now, corporate earnings have been incredibly resilient as well, but we, it, we would expect that in light of the higher interest rates, uh, earnings growth to slow down quite a bit into 2024. So this year to date, earnings are up about 12% in the S&P 500. But again, uh, expect that to slow down a little bit as, as these companies' borrowing costs are going up quite significantly. On to the oil markets. Closed out the uh, th- September 30th, about a $90 a barrel in oil. So on the production side, we've seen the U.S. over the last uh, five years or so, you know, domestic oil production increase at about uh, 11%. So the U.S. is now the largest oil producer However, we've been seeing offset cuts in oil production by OPEC in Russia. And so in light of that, uh, the, the price of oil has kind of fluctuated from obviously, you know, uh, from, from about $70 a barrel to about $100 a barrel. And we expect that to stay in that, that, that area over the next year or so. On inflation, we've we've seen the higher interest rates have, have had their anticipated effect of bringing inflation down from about 9% uh, peak in the middle of the summer last year, down to about 3.7% on the last report. And uh, more importantly, we're starting to see signs of, of inflation coming down in the shelter area, which is really what the Fed has been uh, pushing for, which is kind of bringing down the cost of housing, bringing down the cost of rent. And we're starting to see signs that that anticipated effect is going into place, uh, albeit much slower than we would have anticipated because the supply of housing has come way off the market as people locked in very low interest rates. There's not as many people moving. And while the price is coming down, it's not as as fast as we would have anticipated. 
um, with the Fed bringing up uh, Fed funds rate up to 5.4% from basically zero uh, a year ago. So a very, very quick increase of the Fed funds rate um, going forward. There still is a pretty high likelihood that they may raise rates one more time this year, uh, right around 35% chance. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, the reality is, at some point, the Fed is going to be forced to lower interest rates. Our expectation is towards the second half of 2024, they'll have to go back in and start to lower rates as we potentially could see ourselves in a mild recession towards the second half of next year. About a 50-50 shot of recession in 2024, but if it, if we were to uh, see one, it would be towards the second half of the year. On the valuation front, um, you know, looking at yields on bonds, they're among the highest that we've seen uh, for the past uh, decade or so, and you're you're seeing some great value in treasuries, munis, and core bonds. Whereas some of the stock side of the portfolio, call it large cap U.S. growth, because it's been performing so well, is uh, definitely down from the peak valuation of December 2021, but a little bit on the high side. So the fixed income markets, while they perform rather poorly this year, we should see uh, some pretty decent returns out of fixed income. And from a a relative perspective, bonds are now uh, cheaper than stocks, at least compared to the S&P 500. You know, it's tempting for investors to take all your money and put it in cash because CD rates or money market rates are over 5%. But history would argue that that during times of raising rate environments where we've seen ourselves in the last couple of years, especially when you're on the tail end of those raising rate environments, cash is among the worst performing asset classes going forward. In fact, in the last six rate raising environments, 1984, 89, 94, 2000, et cetera, cash has significantly underperformed um, competing asset classes like uh, bonds or, or stocks. And so while it is tempting to do so, um, you know, our expectation in rate, rates will come down towards the second half of 2024. So having all your money in cash, even though right now it seems like a great yield of over 5%, um, will we'll probably come down from here. So uh, best not to take that temptation. And uh, back to you know the, the valuation measures on the, on the S&P 500, I mentioned they're, they're, they're quite high. Um, however, it, most of that is concentrated in the top 10 names. So the S&P is trading at about 18 times forward price earnings multiple. The average is about 17 times or 16 and three quarter times. So, so it's, you know, slightly above historical averages, well down from the peak in, in, in December of 2021. So valuations have come down, but what's, what's interesting is the top 10 names in the S&P 500 represent a 32% weight in the index and the bottom 490 names represent the remaining, call it 68% uh, of the index. So a lot of concentration in those top 10 names. Those have been some of the best performers this year, which is why the S&P is doing quite well. But the average stock in the index is not doing as well as the total index itself. And so we tend to prefer smaller names to tilt a little bit towards the smaller names in the index to tilt a little bit more towards small caps. Um, in hindsight, small caps have not performed as well this year, but going forward, we expect a bit of a, of a reversal 
Will it happen in the fourth quarter? Anybody's guess. But over a long period of time, those top 10 names in the S&P 500 appear to be pretty uh, overvalued. The top 10 names have about a 26 times PE multiple, whereas the remaining 490 uh, companies have about a 17 times PE multiple. So that's it on the economic update for third uh, first three quarters of 2023 going into the fourth quarter of 2024. Please feel free to reach out to anyone on our staff with questions. My email is at tim at Callan Capital and 858-551-3800 is our office number. Thank you very much for tuning in.